0: Welcome to another episode of New Savages Spirituality. I'm Simon. I'm John. Just two brothers on a journey, hoping you'll join us.
1: And this week we're joined by one of my favourite people in the whole wide world. One of my smallest, littlest homies, but she's amazing. My friend Sarah,
0: all the way from New Zealand. Hey Sarah.
2: Hey guys, how's it going?
0: Every good. Thank you for coming on, we really appreciate it. Especially as it's early morning for you, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's not too early in the morning. It's nice and warm and sunny, like I said before. So it's okay to be up.
0: Good, thank you.
1: So um, Sarah and I, we've been friends for a few years now, um, and I know a little bit of your backstory. But I'd really be keen if you just want to break it down, like where where you're coming from, and um, you know where are you at in life.
2: Oh, where I'm coming from, I think yeah. John, you know more than anyone. Classic <laughs> Kiwi kid upbringing, <laughs> nothing fancy, you know. Um, a little bit of a weird kid, always the spooky kid, I think (laughs) seeing life from a four foot 11 perspective definitely makes life more interesting. Um, I mean, you, I met you, John, when I was mainly barber, you know, and I just first started stepping into that world the most and that changed everything, just really working in a male dominated industry and understanding what it's like for men to live in this world. Yeah. And so now I'm living this whole different life in a barber world that doesn't have rules or genders or anything. And it's just a totally different game now.
1: So with with that, like, because obviously you've moved around a few places. When I first met you, you were over in a place in Takapuna on the North Shore of Auckland.
2: Oh, yeah. The yeah. swankiest, swankiest of places. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what what happened? Like, because I know you went to Two Hands. So, for people that don't know, do you want to explain what Two Hands is?
2: Um. So, Two Hands Tattoo is a well-known tattoo shop in Auckland where I live. Uh, it's also got a secondary store right next door, which is Flash City, which was your classic old-school tattoo shop. Pictures all over the walls. Just walk in, pick something, get it done. And we chucked in a barber shop in there as well. And I was lucky enough to work there for a few years, but. I learned a lot about ego in that time. Um, A lot of the way about how things function when you become a part of a cool crowd, which I think a lot of people experience but don't know how to handle when they're in it. So I left that and have kind of, like you two, come to a point where I've met people who are just not worried about being cool, not worried about being the toughest tattooist or the coolest barber or sticking up with the trends and just kind of providing a space to be
0: yeah so Um, it's beautiful
2: yeah
1: it is it it, it's it's that kind of sums you up really well for me actually because i when i when i met you i thought you were one of the coolest people out there you know i like i liked hanging out with you from the minute we met and uh like and and you know you and you you and your 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 other half Jay is like, you know, my well Dexter, my son, adores him.
2: Oh, Dexter and, is just forever in our hearts. We think about him all the time. We miss him so much.
1: Yeah, he, oh. he misses you guys too. And he still talks about, you know, um playing with, with Joel in the living room of our place in, in, in Albany on and playing but I don't remember well they were playing now, but they were yeah, they were both on the floor playing games together.
2: I think they were playing was, something on the computer and yeah. Joel just just as anyone i don't I've never met someone who can just forgo the idea of being an adult and instantly go into the joy of being like, "Fuck it we're at a dinner party but I would so much rather yeah go and play games
1: <laughs> but that that's one of the coolest things about Joel is that he can do that, you know because yeah. having that connection to your childhood so mega, it's so cool. and like for us old dudes that ride skateboards, that's our connection mm. to our childhood, you know. I mean, for me, like riding riding bikes and stuff like that just makes me feel like a kid, you know? Oh, yeah.
2: I think I think for like, especially, you know, Jay and I, because we're so small, you know, both of us are Hobbit size. And I don't think many people actually <laughs> realize how short we both actually are. And then how opposite we look. Uh, you know, like, John, you know how, obviously, yeah. when you see Jay and I out in public, you wouldn't assume that those two people went and got married.
0: <laughs> so, um, for those of you that don't know, can you obviously we can see you, and yeah. I've followed your profile, so I've seen your kind of your look evolve over the years. <laughs> but can you explain your look, and then Jay's, so that we um
2: Mine's pretty much a chameleon of whatever I wake up feeling that day. You know, head to toe covered in tattoos. I don't think my head stayed one color or one specific <laughs> haircut for more than at least two weeks. You know, it's my reputation for never looking the same twice. And then Jay is, I guess, for you guys, like, very English. Because he is from over
1: here originally, isn't he? Yeah,
2: he's from Cambridge. So, like, jeans and a T-shirt. And I remember when we first got together, I was bewildered by the fact Jay would wear a polo shirt. Dude. (laughs) For me, here, polo (laughs) shirts are like, you're, like, a rich kid. What the fuck are you doing? Like, you're going for dinner somewhere, Mm -hmm. like that's fancy dress here like you wear that to a wedding so I was just like what are you doing wearing a polo shirt on a Saturday afternoon when we're just going out so two very different looks but we are the exact same person on the inside and it's just so hilarious
0: so it works and I think that's the beauty of a relationship isn't it it doesn't matter like when you can as you said kind of you alluded to ego before with and when you actually strip that away and have soul connection it isn't about what you look like or any of that stuff is it
2: no definitely not I mean both Jay and I were terribly bullied growing up as kids you know we both come from different childhoods very much so but we were bullied because we were just kind of those kids who gave everything a shot um you know and getting that part ripped apart of you as a young kid it teaches you to hide it, but instead of you just kept going like Jay did, and you just learn to not care, it changes your perspective of an ego. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> that's it, and that's the, the crux. I mean, like for a lot of people that were bullied, um, myself included, I had some of the, I mean, I had that moment. I was bullied when I was at sort of a younger age, and then I had that point where I just shot up one summer. I went from being that skinny little runty kid to, like, just bulking up in, like, the space of, like, six weeks and going back to school from, like, when I was about 13 just to, like, being built like a brick shit house. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like, just, like, proper. And I had that first confrontation with my bully and I hit him in the mouth, you know, and cut his lip open. And I was like, oh, shit. You know? Like, this, this happens now? But I you know, just we- can't
2: imagine you like that at all though, you know, like you're the big oh. gentle giant in my in my
1: eyes. <laughs> well that's it. I mean I'm not now, but like for a long time through my teens, any any problem that arose, I kind of solved it with my fists. Yeah. You know, because I, I hadn't really um I really I didn't understand the concept of understanding my emotion. You know, it was like it was bewildering to me. So I was like, oh, somebody's making fun, right, I'm just going to smack them in the mouth, you know. And it was, it was all that pent-up aggression came out. But I look at uh, like so many, we, we, we've talked about like um, inner child stuff on here in the past, and we, we, a lot of that, that trauma that we talk about is coming from, you know, like our, obviously our childhood, but we, we get a lot of it from our parenting. But so much of it comes from our schooling you know and that bullying element do you think Sarah that like as you've grown that you've dealt with that or is it still sort of like does it come into play
2: I think I'm super lucky I mean the last two three years I've been going to therapy for myself you know it was a big step Um, you know in my childhood I always say it's really normal but like what is normal
1: yeah
2: as an adult and going through therapy I realized there were things that happened in my childhood that really weren't normal and really did stunt me emotionally and as an adult looking at them I realized I had never learned to deal with how angry I was like yourself John you know you're saying you're angry but my anger turned into this self-fulfilling of I had to serve everyone around me to make sure they were happy you know my anger was I was outraged that other people could feel the pain that I had felt and i could fix that pain
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's like i think like well i don't know i feel that like that's a pretty common sort of understanding for people like
2: yeah
1: you know cuz we don't want to release that anger cuz we're frightened that we might turn people away because of you know that's a part of who we are but
0: mm, definitely yeah,
1: you know but i think like i i i don't know about you but i've started to embrace it a little bit Mm -mm. So it's not like a; it's just another part of who I am.
2: I think. I mean, I love hardcore and punk, and you know that stuff and the anger I used to take to those things. Yeah. And just shove them out. Whew. That was. That was some good stuff. As an adult, I don't get to do that as much. You know, I don't (laughs) necessarily get to show up and go, "Oh yeah, Friday night is throwdown night." yeah <laughs> re yeah, is what we're going for now <laughs> yeah
0: definitely so when you said about <clears throat> excuse me like helping people and being there for people presumably your role as a barber you, that comes into play a lot as well the ability to listen to kind of hold space
2: yeah definitely I mean y'all will both know what people tell you in the chair is mm-hmm. insane like
0: it really is
2: it still fucks me up what people tell me sometimes like, <laughs> because <laughs> you're never prepared for how much people need to get stuff off their chest mm. um, you know when i people ask me about it normally i'll say like the big thing is is that you're a third party to their problem that has no no insight to what's actually going on so the person in your chair gets to for that moment, create an idea and an ideal feeling where they feel safe and justified to share their anger or their sadness with you. Mm. And that can be an intense thing to deal with. Yeah.
0: I think as well, from my point of view, the whole mental health thing and, you know, male suicide and suicide prevention, the, the importance of our role can't be kind of, underestimated because for some men it is the only place that they will feel safe to actually really open up to the shit that's going on in their lives that they're struggling and that's where you you, you probably know about the barber lions collective that yeah i'm an ambassador for and and what they're looking at doing and you know terms of training barbers to actually to be able to look at suicide sim- um, indicators and stuff and yeah but you know the role that you're doing the role that i'm doing it's really really important that guys do feel that they're in a safe space that they can share
2: i think it's something that obviously born a girl um but for myself i feel like i'm whatever i'm i cross those boundaries i don't believe in binaries and i as about moving into the barbering world the difference between how when i had mainly female clientele when i was in the hairdressing industry and then switching to strictly males is that When I did take time to encourage emotion between a male client and myself, it was a treacherous little bit of land to go across because some males have just not ever been shown that kindness of you can show your emotions here, like let them out. I was saddened by how many men opened up to me and told me over time that they had considered suicide or felt like there was nowhere Mm. to go, which is disappointing to hear, you know, like that so many people go unnoticed
1: Yeah,
2: and a barber is the only person they would tell.
1: There is that element, isn't there, where so many guys won't vocalize how they're feeling.
2: You well, know. they just don't know how to vocalize an emotion, yeah. you know. I'm yeah. pretty pretty good at not being able to tell what my emotion is sometimes. Like, I'm always really quick to want to fight someone, <laughs> you know. Like, I want to be on the defense. It, now I have to go, like, okay, what am I angry about? Is yeah. it this or that? I think you know, some young men don't get taught how to navigate that emotional path to get to the point of it. <laughs>
1: I think there's probably quite a lot of young men that can't do that. I was
0: going to say, we, yeah. we're probably talking most young men. Yeah. Because all of our socialization, you know, our is what's shown on TV, is about, it's basically toxic masculinity. It's this, men don't have emotions. Men can't cry. You're just the breadwinner. You're the man. You know, you're that real, like, alpha male. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the feminine trait, you know, we all have masculine and feminine within yeah. us. It's as simple as that. But the feminine traits are deemed as weak. In terms of masculinity,
2: definitely, I mean like, obviously being at work and I look very female, you know, if you can tell I'm a small petite thing underneath it all. <laughs> um, it's so bizarre when the interactions because usually I'd work, John, you've met Ryan, my best mate, who works yep. with me, you know, we've worked together for five years, side by side, Ryan and I, and watching the interaction of a client with Ryan versus a client with me
0: super different
2: hundred yeah. percent it was beyond ridiculous i'd watch the same person who was with me last week talking about how they really want to focus on you know their relationship and actually like being present and then the next day yeah, they've come in to see ryan and they're talking about like <laughs> going out with the boys and how the boys are the best and i was like bro just <laughs> fuck like you can you don't need to be switching between these two extremes like you could be the soft gentle person who is yeah. compassionate and caring and likes to go and watch someone beat someone up for the UFC at the pub like it's not a w- either way <laughs> situation
0: That's so sad that men feel the need to like I the person who we had on last week Mahesh said about this thing that if you were in the room with all your friends which version of yourself would yeah show up? yeah that's it. And it's like why why does that dude have to be different with you to Mm. like why can he be vulnerable with you but not with the other guy what is it within his kind of brain makeup that's like yeah I have to act this certain way because I'm imagining Ryan's a big tall strong guy and it's
2: just <laughs> oh yeah I mean like yeah. Ryan I always say he looks like Adam Lambert but way more tattooed and just like a real babe a yeah I mean
0: he's, the but, so he's, the he's a big
2: resting bitch face you know yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i find interesting though is like when i'm cutting that men's hair that quite often they will come in a certain way but i now and it's taken me years but i've got to the state like i don't act differently in front of anyone i am for the most part my authentic self i talk the way we're talking is the way that i will talk you know i'm vulnerable i'm in touch with my feminine and all this and they do change Mm -hmm. like so from the resting whatever face I don't, I don't know why I don't want to say bitch, but <laughs> from, the, from the resting, you know, angry face to a softening, that their energy will start to match mine. And we find a place of resonance from that. And so it is there for, for most men, but it's just them feeling safe enough to, they're feeling that they can. Definitely.
2: I think for y'all, like young men or whoever would have sat, and, sat in your chairs before, they mirror you y'all sometimes you know like yeah. mm. by being present you can make someone calm and both of you i guess you know you look like big strong men who you know going to take shit from no one and then when it can be so like surprising for people you know when you're as calm and as authentic as you are to them because yeah i think you guys have already talked about it like writing that story out in your head before it's happened yeah oh yeah, yeah you know you sure. feel that perception and it takes people off guard when you can be gentle with them. When you look like someone who shouldn't be gentle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> John, me, not so much. John, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a smaller dude. I'm like five ten, So I'm not huge. Yeah small do well, hey, well, doesn't get,
2: mean you don't look scary i mean <laughs> you, <know. laughs>
0: you just made his night <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm 6'2" in my head now <laughs> that's the story in my head yeah <laughs> you
1: know what though i i do go out of my way cuz i know i look quite intimidating um and i am a i'm like i'm 6'2" i'm i'm like you know i'm a pretty hefty dude i got a lot of tattoos um and so i know like and i've got a face that sometimes just looks pissed off and 99 percent of the time, I'm really not. I'm actually having the time of my life. But the the reality is, I you know, people they encounter you in in the street and they're like, they're just they'll cross the road, you know. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I'll just chat with them, you know. Like I, I'm the dude that stops and helps people.
2: Same. Like couple, I mean.
1: Yeah. It's it's like a little while ago, I was I was staying with Simon down in um, Lyme Regis, where he lives, and there was an elderly couple. You remember, dude? They would go. They were going to the, this hotel, and they were in walking frames. Yeah. And we stopped to help them up the stairs. You know, yeah. and, and like normal people, like I say, normal people, but I I, I refer to them in my head as plain clothes people. <laughs> <laughs> we're walking past, and there's these tattooed like dudes helping this elderly couple up the steps into their the, towards their hotel. And I just figured in, in the story in my head after that was. They'll go, well, wasn't that a pleasant surprise?
2: Yeah. yeah. They'll be like, we weren't expecting that. You probably made their day, you know, just yeah. by. <laughs> I
0: yeah. love that. Though. I love to kind of break down those barriers. Of the, you know, people can have a preconception and you can either meet them with aggression because you're being prejudiced towards me, so I'm going to hate you. Or yeah. you just smile, you turn that. And like Buddhism teaches us so clearly that if you can have compassion for every single person, it doesn't matter how they react you're just projecting that love and all you'll eventually get back is love. And I so believe that that mm. y- it's just what you put out there is just what you're gonna get back.
2: Definitely. I think like my mum always told me, kill them with kindness. Yeah. You know, like and that gets me every time because every time I apply it, it doesn't fail. Like yeah. mm. even if someone's coming at me with some you know, some big aggression, being kind just disarms people like nothing else
0: yeah yeah it's
1: beautiful puts people on their back foot straight away
2: yeah I mean yeah. I think that's so do, the same with like for you guys and myself well barbering when someone comes into the shop being authentically kind with them is always going to throw them off and make yeah. the stuff yeah. right
0: <clears throat> so have you found within the barber shop have you like, as a woman, you know, obviously it's a very, very I, – I know you said about not uh, not necessarily associated with that, but in your stature and in the, your appearance, you know, you are – you're pretty and you, you look feminine, even though you're tattooed. So has there been, like, real, oh, I don't want her to cut my hair or, you know, I want a guy to and all that rubbish?
2: Oh, yeah, just – that became a standard everyday occurrence.
0: C- can she actually cut her? Can you do a fade, love? I mean, whatever? that was the yeah. classic
2: one. Someone would walk in and just go, can you fade? And I'd be like, I just, I mean, John, you know, Dave, you know?
1: Yeah, I know Dave.
2: I <laughs> word with this fantastic guy called Dave and he just didn't suffer a fall. You know, like if you asked a dumb question, you got a frigging dumb response straight off the bat. Like, and so I took that approach when someone was like, Oh, are you the barber? I go, Nah, I just walked in here and um picked up the clippers. <laughs> no one's complaining <laughs> so far, you know? And then they're like, Oh, they they wanna get angry. What was the weird thing is that I didn't understand why they were so angry. Yeah. For a long time. I just didn't get it. I was like, Do you think I'm invading your space? Do you think this is a a safe space for you? And I guess In, like, you know, a men's point of view, it was mainly only men in a barbershop for a long time. So I used to kind of take that personally because I was like, oh, but what makes me so different? Like, I'm not going to, I think from my perspective, I was like, I'm not going to tell everyone your secrets. Like, you know, like, you can be safe here with me as you could a dude. But what I really learned, it was a bit of um, men covering up locker room talk. Yeah. You know, and it, that was a hard one for me to face because once once people saw I could do my job, regardless of what is between my legs and as I went along and if people asked me if I could do a hiccup because I was female, I would just say, well, I don't use my vagina to do it. It got to that point that I was just like, <laughs> please, for the love of God, love stop asking me dumb questions. That
0: is brilliant. <laughs> Yes. We should get that I made into a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I, it a it would defining be successful.
2: <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And it was like kind of when all the boys at the shop I was working with, well used to work at, and all the clients had got used to me and were like, oh, yeah, you know, this it is one of the boys. One of the boys. And I was just like, yeah, cool. And, you know, I won't repeat what was said because I just, it was a situation and a cl- client had just said something that was so sexist and so homophobic that I whipped around so quickly that the room went silent. Cause if you knew me, you knew what I stood for. And I was well known for the eyebrow. I have quite good eyebrows that do a quite a good arch. And I just stared at that client in deadpan silence with my eyebrow raised. And I was like, you know what? Now I'm not one of the boys and that wasn't okay you know, that was a part of my job. I wasn't expecting to encounter.
0: And should not have to. Yeah. I mean, all.
1: there's such a, I mean, I, I've traveled a lot. I've been, you know, all over the world. And, um, I find that people in New Zealand for the most part are really, really open-minded.
2: Yeah, and, totally.
1: And I've encountered, I've, I've got a, a good group of friends and a couple of the friends over here are, are gay. and, and, just going out for a night out with them in normal pubs and stuff like that over here, we've had, you know, homophobic abuse and stuff like that. And I'm very much one for like, like I said, I solved a lot of my problems as a young man. Like <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll fight them all if I have to type scenario. Yeah. But they were like, you know what? It's just how we live. And I yeah. think it's super unfair <laughs> that they have to live like that. You know, I think it's, it's like, it's just, it's just morally wrong, isn't it? It's just, you know, I just can't grasp the concept why people get so weirded out by the fact that there's a couple of mm. the same sex.
2: Same, it's something that, like, you know, really, <laughs> <laughs> me to no end.
1: It's like because it doesn't affect you. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's the most pointless. Like, what what happens behind their closed doors is irrelevant <laughs> yeah. to you. Like, why are you getting why are you getting so wound up about it? You know, well, the reality
0: is anyway when they've done like you know sociological studies and like real homophobes being played like gay porn they're yeah. as aroused as anyone else it's it's that inability to cope with emotions and Absolutely. also indoctrination you know no child is born homophobic yeah. oh. they just don't even have the concept of it that shit's taught
2: and i mean you know, like all
0: kinds of hatreds taught
2: definitely yeah. the whole being taught thing like i don't know how much i ever told you john as like kid you know i grew up as in a presbyterian christian household um if you don't know what presbyterian christian style is that is your happy clappy you're laying your hands on people speaking in tongues like it's a lot yeah um Mm. you know growing up with a faith that was given to you rather than chosen is wild and Mm. you don't realize how much of that stuff sinks in even if you don't think it does yeah you know like As a kid, I always thought it was a bit weird that they got angry about, you know. It was always really divided. There was women's church group and men's church group, and for the men, it was—I remember it strongly—always being taught like you are the father figure, you're the bread earner, you hold it in, you don't show your emotions, and then for women, it was you're the emotional one, you're the one to raise your kids emotionally. Mm. Like, I saw really early on in my life how we were taught, like, to handle all emotions based off our role in our family.
0: Yeah. See, that's I, pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, like, little unknown fact about myself, I went to um, an all-boys private school because my parents thought I'd get a better education. Yeah. Joke's on them. I ran away from that when I was 15. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but... um yeah but it was it was a presbyterian school as well and my sister went to the the basically the girls version of it and yeah it's pretty scary (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and the thing that i that i'm at the point in my life now when i look at religion and all and faith i think um like for me spirituality is key
2: yeah you know Mm -hmm. having
1: having a belief in something bigger than yourself you can call it god if you want i don't personally um but you know, if if that's what gets you through, then I'm I'm all for it. My issue has always been with the church and and religion, because that's man-made. Definitely, you know that's that not, like that's, idea
2: of the structure there is not yeah, what spirituality that, yeah. is, right?
1: Absolutely. I I have a friend of mine, um, Martin Kennelly, shout out to Martin, who gave me a painting about 15 years ago, and it was, and I was talking about this the other day. It, it's a it was a, f- a photograph that he took and it was a shadow of a crucifix on a wall. And in the center of this painting had a ripped out piece of paper from a magazine. And it said, you don't pay for your sins in a church, you pay for them on the streets and you know this to be true. Oh yeah. And, and I've, I've, that's just resonated with me ever since because it was like, that made way more sense to me. than ever. like, why would I go into a building and pray to something? When I've got the ability to go and help people myself.
2: Definitely. Mm.
1: You know, why, why am I asking for the universe? Because that's my God, the universe, to, to solve this person's problem when I'm the solution. You know, I can help that guy. You know, mm. that's how I view it. So like, you know, everything else I think, you know, it's kind of irrelevant. We don't need churches. It's an archaic system, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful way to frame it. From my point of view, I always thought, like, Why would a church be so important when, if you know, God supposedly created everything, Then every single place we could ever be, God is in you, God is in me, God is in every single bit. So, like, a church isn't any more important, a priest isn't any more important. We're all the same. Yeah, of course we are. Um, I
2: think that was something that was, like, a big turning point as a kid. Like, my mum, when she talked about the idea of a God or a Jesus or, like, whatever as a kid, that was what I genuinely thought it was because she taught about kindness and like giving and like, she don't ever tell me parables of like Jesus being a good guy, you know, like handing yeah. out fishes, hanging out with people that he shouldn't. Yeah. Um. So that was what I thought it was for a really long time until I met what was building the church, the business style of what mm. they would portray as, you know, God and faith and religion. And I was like, nah, nah, I think if I can, believe without that then i can believe that the world is just itself and these buildings and businesses they take away from the beauty that we have
1: absolutely mm. yeah yeah i mean i think i think being spiritual is everybody should embrace it
2: but yeah.
1: i i think the world would be a better place if we walked away from religion because it's two of different things
2: just walk away from the like let's make one person make all the decisions for a collective group of people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. I think definitely,
2: sense of community is something I found is more important than anything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you think being a Kiwi, like myself, we have um, <laughs> I because I, I do. I think we have like New Zealanders have a real sense of community for the most part.
2: Oh yeah, big time. I think. I think like you said before, obviously I was living in Takapuna. Yeah. And that is no sense of community there. No. But that's kind of like the lost part of New Zealand culture that's going away. Yeah. And with Takapuna, it is predominantly white. Yeah. Um it's quite
1: affluent obviously, as well as it
2: Yeah, a lot of money and moving back out west I felt like a home. Like I grew up out in West Auckland and out in South Auckland, which are lower decile areas. You know, there is more multicultural. I felt like I was home the minute we got here because there was a sense of community. Yeah, Met my neighbours within, you know, like a couple of hours of moving in. There's a little old lady that lives behind us. Classic Kiwi moment, standing in our new backyard and she pops her head out of the fence. She's just like, hiya, I'm Janet. And I was like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously for Joel coming from the UK, Still yeah. weirts him out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I, I, try and explain to people about New Zealand all the time, but like, like you, I'm a Westie. Westie's forever, yeah. forever Westie. You know. Um, but it's it, it is. There's a, a different sort of a vibe because I like I like I said I went to a private school which was in Pakaranga, which is another affluent mm. area, and like the kids I went to school with were predominantly white. You know, like I think the, the sort of Polynesian community in my school was maybe like 1%. Yeah. You know, but where I grew up, there was loads of Maori kids and Polynesian kids and Ireland kids, and it was awesome. And they were way more fun.
2: Fuck And, yeah. like, and they're
1: so much more welcoming.
2: Like Kiwi kids who got a chance to go to Morai or a local iwi, if yeah. they got the chance, figured out it was a moment to see what, a real family is regardless of blood relation yeah like that sense of like you go on the marae once your shoes are off and you're out there you're in the kitchen cooking with everyone you're out can, digging you, the sorry, hole.
0: can you explain what that is for us english people oh, yeah. a, marae.
2: Um, a marae is like, sorry you know, to interrupt home ground um like the iwi it's where everyone stays it's where you have dinner it's where you cook Everyone sleeps in one big room for the most part. Some Marais now have obviously bunk beds and different things, but it's just a meeting ground. It's where everyone comes.
0: It's like a community together. place.
2: Yeah. it's well, sounds center. amazing. It is. But it's so great. It's you've got to go to experience. those then? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough growing up South Auckland. My school was a decile one, which means we it was the lowest income area, but we got the most government help. So we got to go to our local Marae weekly, you know, like we were on a bus out to Marae, spend all day there. We learned how to play all the traditional Maori and Polynesian games and build that thing. Because at the end of the day, living in South Auckland, the truth was kids went home. There was no food when they got home. You know, there was nothing Mm. when they got home. And so going to the Marae was the one time to feel safe and home and, that's what a true Kiwi sense of community comes from, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's something special, I think.
0: You know?
2: It's something I think everyone should come and experience. (laughs) I mean, like... I
0: was just thinking that. Yeah. There's
2: nothing more satisfying than fry bread, hanging out (laughs) and singing Waiata, like like Trish Nomori songs on the grass. You know, so good.
1: (laughs) That's That's like a really good interpretation of new zealand culture as well in my mind you know i think it's one of the best but i want to i want to ask you a question now sarah um yeah. and i want to ask you about indiana bones
2: <laughs>
1: yeah could you, i mean could you,
2: simon did you give i didn't try and steal big... your old name or anything mate yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just coming out here i was like bones great name <laughs> <laughs>
1: So if you could just explain to everybody who Indiana Bones is.
2: Uh, Indiana Bones is, I guess, my alter ego. It's my yeah. performative self. I do drag um as my part time job, and Indiana Bones is the face of that.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so like I gotta say, I, I think like um like the the, the the sort of gay culture in New Zealand's Far more open than it is in a lot of places else in the world.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty cool actually. And like Pride, it is always a really good time in New Zealand. And um, and a friend of mine, I used to work with Jesse. He uh, he was a drag queen as well, Cherry Poppins, which was yeah. the best name. Jesse's also like six foot three, and then when <laughs> you put like those six inch heels on, it's Ooh, just giants. Yeah. But like a real like Pride in New Zealand in Auckland is a is a wicked good night. It's a wicked oh, good
2: time. You it's know. just the best time ever. I mean, yeah, it's my favorite time. I get a little <laughs> bit emotional and overly excited and put way too much effort into covering our shop in rainbows and every different flag there could be. Like, if you don't know it's queer, you do now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how did Indiana Bones come about? Where, where did he come from?
2: Uh, um like I said before, I guess I've never really felt tied to either one side of the binary. Um, And like I said before as well, love hardcore, love punk, just so fulfilling, but yeah, no one to play music with around here. No one who wants to play weird queer punk either. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Joel's just bringing my doggy in. Hello, Winnie. (laughs) Um, So, Indiana Bones came about when I was like, man, I keep going to, like, queer shows and there's nothing that I really feel fits. You know, it's either very camp, which I, I love, you know, your show tunes and your whatnot, but I wanted someone to be screaming about politics while in drag. So <laughs> we just kind of just to shove Indiana Bones out of the box because we needed it.
1: Amazing. So, I, like, I haven't seen you do it live, you, I've seen loads of photos of it. I'd already left New Zealand when you started it. But um, oh, yeah. it looks amazing. It looks so good. It's
2: super fun. And I think what I've enjoyed the most is my clients who had never even dared venture into a queer club, like never had crossed their mind, now come to the shows on a regular occurrence.
0: That's awesome. Brilliant.
1: Kim, does, when you when you're doing it, does it give you sort of a release? You know we talked about anger earlier on. are you yeah, is, is that some form of release from it
2: Definitely, I think it was kind of my way of coming out is how it started. Okay um I had a lot of pent-up anger about no one would accept the fact that I don't need you to label me one way or the other. I just want to be seen as says Sarah, Indiana whatever is in front of you that's who i am i don't need you to question it and one of my first performances i had painted none of your business over my genitals after a tattoo that had been done by my friend Oni o'leary on my leg because i was so angry that people kept asking me what are you are you a boy are you a girl i was like it's none of your fucking business that's the end of the line and letting the- the anger out on the stage on that first night performing it changed everything and I realized that this is a way to talk to other young people in the crowd that don't know who they are you don't have to pick what you are just be you and that's the best release I've ever had in my life
0: <laughs> that's amazing so was that a hard journey for you to to kind of get to the stage of being okay that I'm just me without because we, we label things so clearly and so easily and so to get away from those labels and you just I'm just me I'm presuming like that that's a, a trajectory <laughs> to get to where you're okay with that and then I mean, even more so you, you then have to get other people to be okay with it. like no I shouldn't <laughs> have to get you to be okay with it I'm just me take me as I am
2: Definitely, I mean, like, like you said before, you've seen my Instagram, you know, if you go back far enough, you can see me dressed up, 1950s, full pin-up, you know, long I remember it. I remember it Wow. Well. I loved it, it was great. It was a
0: great look, for sure, you looked amazing.
2: But what I realised was, like, I was just playing a person every time I got dressed in the morning, right, like, mm. I was in drag every day of my life, because everyone was like, oh, you're a female, you dress like a female, That's all you'll ever be. Fucking hard work. Who do they know in my mind that I was like, I'm a boy in a pretty dress. Like, you know, they didn't know that. And I think meeting Joel as well, Jay, my partner, that played a huge part in me being okay with who I was because I'd never meet anyone who loved all facets of myself, you know, like, that one day I'm this 1950s pinup and then the next I'm rocking ripped up shorts, like a button shirt, just open. And I look like a 13 year old boy, you know, someone can love you in both of those and not think you're crazy when they first meet you kind of makes you realize that it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Did you find, sorry, go on buddy.
1: No, I was going to say just on, on that context, it's like, when I, I was lucky enough to be at your wedding, in fact, uh, I, lucky
2: enough you took my wedding.
1: <laughs> I did your wedding? Yeah, um, but I, I always thought it was super epic that that you know your bridesmaid or, or maid of honor, if you will, was Ryan.
2: Yeah, he and was then, my maid of horror.
1: Yeah, and then <laughs> and then Joel's best man was a woman.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean... it was
1: it was so cool. It was epic.
2: You'll know know that the biggest joke in our family is we don't do gender rules. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that was my dog jumping (laughs) with my shoe. Yeah.
1: But but Um, if that didn't sum you guys up, then I don't really, (laughs) like, know how else to put it, eh? It was, like, it was a brilliant, beautiful day. and, And so, like, you know. I was really I mean, honored.
2: It was one of my best days of my life, but, you know, bias. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I thought it was epic. It was awesome. And like I said, I was, I was really touched and honored that you guys asked me to do it. I was really blown away by that.
2: It wouldn't have been anyone else we would have let do it. So, oh, you know.
1: thank you. I appreciate that. But, yeah, but that really is one of the greatest moments I can sort of describe to somebody is that, you know, and I've done a couple of weddings now since, um, but nothing well, I don't think will ever top that one, to be honest. It was epic. So beautiful. I,
2: think we're just lucky enough that the friends and family we do have are people who understand that the rules of life really are just made up yeah you know Mm. like it is an illusion as long as you're being kind and generous that's what's important and everything else just comes afterwards
0: yeah that's some beautiful dharma so it really is (laughs) yeah the thing is we can you know overdress everything into spirituality and religion but what you've just summed up there is just a blueprint for life absolutely
2: i mean how I else it. are we supposed to get along right like we're all different no one's ever going to be the same
0: <laughs> no no i mean buddhism <clears throat> is really clear compassion acceptance understanding impermanence but yeah i think that just just be there for people you know just accept everyone's going to be different and we can just show love don't? That's all we need, really.
2: I think it's something, like, my mum said to me the other day, is that that's all people are really looking for is genuine love, unconditional love. Like, mm. you know, some of us may have missed out of it from our parents, and you'll always try and find that love there. But once you find someone and you see people, it might not be your partner. It might just be your best friend who loves you for the first time unconditionally. That's what people want so badly.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. So from my point of view, they would, I mean, John knows this, and I've spoken a little bit about it, but I've gone through years of being in relationships, and this is the first time I've had a, about seven months of pretty much being single. I've kind of met a few girls and stuff. But, um, yeah, what you realise is that we're pigeonholed into what relationships are and what love is, that, you know, you have to have a partner. But it's mm. bullshit. Like the love that I get from John, from some of my other friends, from my children, it's like that's everything I need. Yeah, you, you, obviously you're not having a sexual issue, but that's such a small part. And we, you know, we've we've talked about, we've just recorded a, a podcast on sex and intimacy, and it's mm. actually that intimacy that we crave, that feeling of belonging, that knowing someone's got your back, and I have that with John, so. I would marry him, but he's already married. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just connection, isn't it? It's human. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, by,
1: by nature we're not solitary animals. No. You know, you know, we're meant to be in a pack. We're meant to have our tribe. Um but it's it's understand like, you know, you said it best when like we're all different. And why would you know it's like life and relationships in general are just two completely different people coexisting together. Yeah. you know respectfully coexist i
2: think that's the thing is like i mean you know john i say i love you to all of my friends yeah. like i shout it down the street and it's something my group of friends have learned to do because we've all been friends for a really long time like you guys you know those long-term friendships and you realize what mm. love is in a friendship because you'll make mistakes you do things wrong you piss each other off but your friends will be like, I still love you. I mean, like, you may have been a dick, but I still definitely yeah. love you.
1: <laughs> definitely. I think, I think with the, like the thing that I always take away is don't ever like judge anybody on their, their worst moment. Oh, it's, no. just that. it's just a moment. It's just, you know, we're not our, our big mistakes. We're, we're also, so would you want anyone more... to
2: judge you on your one bad oh, moment?
1: Fuck no. I, I would I'd kill be...
2: over and die right yeah. now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But the reality is like, you know, they look. There are people that will go, well, he did this or she did that, that one time, so now I'm never going to talk to them again.
2: But that's inevitable, like, right? Like, Absolutely, yeah. I think it's something I'm facing. you know, like changing jobs. You switch from one shop to another. You always have that, like, people want to turn it into a fight, right, when you leave yeah. something. They mm. want to find a reason for you to be, like, angry about why you left. When sometimes you just leave things because your time is done. It wasn't because yeah. it was bad. You just leave because it's the time. Yeah. Right? You don't have to yeah. start turning that into a, oh, well, while I was working there, that, this, yeah. that, and the other. It's the same with a relationship. While I was with this person, they treated me like that. Yeah. If you're with at something or with someone long enough, you'll see them in their worst moments, but you shouldn't judge that entire time or relationship on all of oh. those bad moments. Preach. <laughs> That's the it's, facts of it. It's just uh, so it's... much wasted energy, right? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's
0: the culture in there, isn't it? That kind of um reality TV, awesome. soap opera type. That there has it's to the be ego, the drama.
2: Like, yeah. Everyone yeah. needs to have the biggest and best ego.
0: Yeah.
2: Fuck that! That's way too much time and effort that I don't have right now.
0: Yeah, yeah we're in the wrong bloody industry <laughs> for that, though. Like barber life, barber life. Yeah, man. Oh. I'm barber this, barber that's Like. Fucking I would just cut hair. Come on. yeah We we literally
2: just cut hair, talk shit. That's what I I like (laughs) about my job, and that's all I want to know for it.
0: But barber life, man, I'm barber. You know, like, (laughs) this, like, being a barber is not my identity. It's what I do for a living. I love it. I own my own business, but I'm way more than just a fucking barber. (laughs) Come on. Don't make that your whole purpose in life.
2: Like, we would just just, be really boring people if. We just only loved our job. Like, if your job was your everything, like, imagine going to a pub and you only talked about barbering. No one would want to fucking talk to you. <laughs> no,
0: I always think that. I've, I'm sure I've said it before on a podcast. In fact, I think I said it on the last one. But this whole making your identity on Instagram just about being a barber. It's like, could you imagine if everyone did it? So you had a um, like. <laughs> Pete the orthodontist.
2: Yeah, just <laughs> posting pictures of teeth that he did that day. Yeah, like
0: James the gynecologist. Everyone would want to see that. Come on, that's like the most popular Insta page ever. Yeah. Hey, that yeah, might be
2: educational one. for some. You know?
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, the worst one just might be, uh, you know, Roger the unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, just pictures of his living room. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Roger. Oh. Yeah. Reality TV. But, yeah. Um, yeah, madness but I suppose that's some inner barber jokes. For for those of us who've been in barbering for a while, though, to kind of see the evolution of it and how, you know, how tattooing was. I'm just giving context to this for for Mm. people listening, really. But, like, barbering is just seen as cool now, isn't it? So a lot of people are more interested in getting their photos on Instagram rather than actually talking to the clients. It's like, it's actually the human connection that matters with this. You can be a worse barber but have a really good rapport And you're going to get more clients than the person who's doing the super duper fade, but is more interested in the photograph than the actual conversation.
1: There was, I can't remember his name, Sarah, you might remember. There was a barber in New Zealand who, I think his name was Sam, who was traveling around the country.
2: The Bata Barber.
1: The Bata Barber, that was it. Yeah,
2: Sam. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Australia now, I think. Oh, for real. So,
1: like, this guy, he was a real mental health advocate, wasn't he? Oh, Such brilliant. an
2: amazing human.
1: Yeah, and didn't he do drag as well? Now I think
2: about. Yeah, dabbled yeah. in the old drag.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> he, he was a good-looking guy, though. To be fair.
2: Yeah, I mean, he travelled yeah. around raising awareness for mental health for men, doing haircuts, did, and yes. you could trade food goods or give yeah. him a place to stay for the night with his camper van for a haircut yeah
1: Yeah. oh wow that's brilliant yeah he was into and he had a badass mullet if i recall
2: oh yeah that was a (laughs) glorious mullet
1: yeah so curly yeah so i gotta say (laughs) when i when i first met you sarah you had a pretty fucking i think it was green at the time a green mullet Mm. so we'd we'd spoken on like insta quite a lot hadn't we because i was still over here and I came back to New Zealand, and you were one of the first people I came to see when I got back to New Zealand. And I came down to Takapuna, and you gave me a haircut.
2: Yeah, that was home. a long time ago. Now. It was,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was green at the time. So I want to point it out. I'm actually growing a mullet as we speak.
2: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's not, the lighting's not very good here. So you can't oh, see I can it. see the but, little yeah, curls in the back. Look,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah so it's pretty cool is it? it yeah yeah
2: oh wait but then look i still oh, have you still have yours yeah well Amazing. lockdown, down yeah. i've had to go back to a mullet so you know
1: i love that but i think it's one of my, one of my favorite things about you is that you are completely and utterly uniquely yourself you know and and it's just like it's always a joy to like spend time with you
2: it makes um, me all mushy feeling on the inside. Oh,
1: bless you, but oh, yeah. that's
0: good. You can embrace that too.
1: Yeah, I do
2: embrace that mushy feeling.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for like you know like for this whole like COVID nonsense to to fuck off. So <laughs> like we can open borders and get back traveling at affordable prices. So you oh, and yeah. Joel can
0: can come across and we can all hang out. And...
2: Well, we'll come across the moment we can.
0: Yeah, uh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. We we could all get together. We could do a follow up podcast. Um, oh, in live person. in
1: person, yeah,
2: yeah, That'd over some good vegan food, yes,
0: yes, yeah. yeah I could hook you with good vegan food. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just going
2: to go like the moment we get there. I'm just going to Tesco's vegan aisle because we don't <laughs> have that here, and I know that means really
0: that's crap,
2: yeah. but it's so good to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. We we can get you better than that though. Some um, yeah. there's a lot.
1: Of, there's some good shit around now.
0: Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Asian street food, we've got yeah. it in Lime Regis, some really, Oof. really good stuff. I, can go
2: that.
1: I think we might have to make a trip down to Cornwall as well and see Eddie to yeah. try these fucking donuts that he was Those doing donuts.
0: Like yeah. yeah, vegan donuts. You yeah. know that I'm a
2: sucker for vegan donuts. That was our instead of yeah. a wedding cake. Me and Joel just had a tower of vegan donuts, so. <laughs> Perfect.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. I did want to ask before you go, because um, we talked a bit about spirituality do you would you call yourself spiritual? Do you have a, a practice or 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 not really?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely spiritual. I mean, I think the two, I think my spirituality comes from a lot of uh Wicca, witchcraft. You know, I come from nice. an Irish family, um, so there's a lot of learning about your tarot cards and all of that stuff. Um, but mm. then also, I've recently just a real discovered to like maori culture and actual their ties and the spirituality and how that works with being a part of you know the land and you know what you are we return to so my spirituality comes from that and who better to take the lead on that than following the people whose land this truly is
0: Mm, i love that yeah yeah definitely thank you
1: well i gotta say i've waited ages to have this conversation with you and it's been so good (laughs) I it's been it.
2: far too long. I've been yeah. all excited. I was up seven o'clock this morning, like <laughs> around the house getting excited to talk to both of you. So
1: yeah, oh, sweet ass. So Brilliant. um do you want to do any quick shout-outs before we sign off?
2: Uh, no, because I don't want to forget <laughs> anyone and that would make you me feel to... bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a couple because you mentioned a couple of people that I, I um I, I love to bits. So big shout out to Joel because he's just, he's a treat. And I'm pretty sure he's a spy and Dexter's convinced (laughs) he's a spy. You
2: guys and everyone else, he'd be the world's worst (laughs) spy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But nonetheless, we're pretty sure he's a spy. Sorry if we got you in trouble, Joel. Um, (laughs) And and big shout out to to the one and only Dave. Dapper Dave.
2: Dapper Dave. No man more dapper than that.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, thanks so much, Sarah.
0: I really appreciate you taking
1: the
2: time. Thank you guys for having cover. me. Thanks for the yarns.
1: Yeah, it's been a good yeah.
0: one. I, yeah, thank you for your honesty and your openness. And I hope people listening to this, will it will help them to kind of just, if learn anything, be yourself. I think that's yeah. what we've all learned from this, eh? Hey? Yeah. There's nothing sure. more
2: fun than being yourself and nothing scarier than not doing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Beautiful Dharma again. Right. Um. Well, I won't do my traditional prayer, but do you just want to do your Maori? I think it's probably more fitting. So
1: I always finish off with, like, same thing. I sign off with anything to friends back home in New Zealand. Just kia kaha, Sarah.
2: Kia kaha. Aroha.
1: Take care. Much love. Thank you. So oh, I love you love. both
2: so much.
0: Thank you.